Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Not that there's anything pertinent or pressing to talk about in the college football world, but let me bring in the rest of the team. Just get a feel for how everybody's doing today. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, when I called you on Monday yes, sir. to talk about some show stuff, you were on the hike and bike trail. Yes, out and about just getting a little fresh air. Been Self-quarantined. Basically, my life is quarantined, being that I'm always at home. So sometimes I have to get out, but you don't want to go around where the people are. So hike and bike trail, good spot to be. I was going to say for everybody, like, oh, I've got to isolate myself from from Matt. That's Monday. Yeah. You know. 100%. I didn't have to worry about spreading it. It was like, but now I'm stuck at home with no, like, daily fantasy yeah. to do. So then it's like, what do you do? That is crazy. Yeah, you with no fantasy. How <laughs> I long went from, been? like, work to no. Oh, it's been, like, sort of a treat. How, how like, long summer. have you gone in your life without fantasy, though? Oh, because uh, truthfully, in the summers, I would meddle a little bit with, like, you know, baseball. But there was one summer when I really sort of just took off and was like, all right, I'm good, the first summer after basketball. But other than that, like, since it was invented, like, you know, since back in the day. It's crazy. Yeah, pretty wild. Wow. Look, this was where it pays off for the third member of our team, our lockdown corner here on the show, to be a renaissance man. Because I'm guaranteeing you, if you need tips on how to handle self-quarantining as we all manage our way through the coronavirus pandemic, uh, he's got some tips for you. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UTL American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. You know, Rod, we're in difficult times right now. So These as we sit here, sit here and record this show, uh, the city of Austin has just announced, like Dallas and Houston and other major metro areas, mm-hmm. bars are shut down, restaurants going to takeout service and to-go service only, no gatherings of more than 10 people, which for us here at Longhorn Blitz, that's fine because we sit far enough away from each <laughs> other and there's only three of us in here while we record this, so 
We're good. And it is sort of odd, though. This is the closest tightness we've done a show, even though yeah. our, normally our social distancing, we're always six feet away. We're about four feet away from each other today. Somebody came in here and messed with the microphone, so I'm like doing the show almost sitting in Rod's lap. But we're Y'all got good yeah. social distancing, though. Y'all got about too, four feet. It's a little feet. too close, considering. It is closer, considering. It's closer than you can widen this you gap. You know what? Yeah, let me. Uh, let me <laughs> me and Rod can widen here. the yeah. gap yeah. away from Jeff. I love Jeff. Yes, I yes. Away we're, from we're just put setting a good example for there society. You go, there you go. Boom. I think you're good, there right? we go. Now we're back to our there. normal six foot range. Yeah, there we go. Boom. And normally, now yeah. I just can't see. I'll look through this line to see Rod's eyes. There so we go. don't have <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any sports to talk about because who knows if Texas is going to have spring football? Here's here's something interesting on a spring football. Mm-hmm. Front, which, by the way, Texas they're following the Big Twelve rules, which no athletic activity of any kind until at least March 29th. I think we all feel like at this point that deadline is going to be extended. No question. Uh, but Rod, I had an interesting idea. And we don't know when this pandemic is going to clear up or, as people talk about, the curve is going to be flattened and we, we get no idea. on the backside yeah, of this. We don't know what we don't know. But kind of like June, like early to mid-June seems to be the guesstimates from health professionals on when this thing could start to. If if these measures. Best case scenario. Are if we practice, if measure, yeah, if we practice social distancing and go. everybody follows the rules. It's all about us. Yeah, Woj, who basically runs the world now, said that it'd be lucky to get it before July. Well, I know NFL teams are now discussing the fact that they they there's going to be no meetings at all until training camp right. potentially. So that means they're thinking, like you said, July, August, somewhere around there. So here's what I here's a crazy thought I had. Let's say you get to the summer and Texas doesn't have spring ball. What if the NCAA says? And look, we're all talking hypotheticals is all we can talk right now. That's all we got. What if the NCAA treats the summer? Like bowl practices. It says, you know what? Because of the situation, Texas, you didn't even get to start spring ball. So we're going to give you from June 15th to August 1st. You've got that window. You get in your 15 practices whenever you want to get them. You've got that time frame to get your 15 practices in. Or July 1st, August 1st, whatever it is. Summer 2 probably would be the best case. you're going to go – your 15 practices in the summer, and then maybe take a week or two off and then go right into camp. Yeah, that's a lot. It is a lot. That's a lot on, that's a lot on young guys who ain't, who ain't getting paid. Let me say that. It is. the players. That's a lot. And you're going to do a, gonna give coaches that much leeway where they can have 15 straight practices. And I know there are guidelines, so take care of the players a little bit. Then only give them a week and then go right into training camp. Man, that's that's hard on your body too. I don't even know if a lot of coaches want to do that. There are a lot of guys. I mean, an increase in injury potentially for that. Maybe you just decrease training camp to to the point where yeah, you get your fifteen practices, and then maybe training camp, which is I don't know how many practices. Maybe they cut it in half. You got yeah, you've got basically. I don't think it's, you know what I mean. I, yeah, I don't think it's a set. I, I think don't, there's just a set time, time frame. Period. Yeah, so maybe when you can do maybe cut the time frame in half. I would we, like that. And we know there's guidelines on like you can't have like two two a days, a days and, and yeah, like and that. the padded practices and all that kind of stuff. But and, and remember, there's also the acclimation period they they usually have for training camp and all that too. So yeah, maybe you could just kind of cut the time frame for training camp in half. I love your idea though. Because they're going to need that time. I mean, that time, you know, right now, if you're Sam Ellinger, I was thinking about the other day, you know, you basically have to go. I, I don't know how it works because, you know, I don't know. I, I'm sure he has access to his own field somewhere. You know what I mean? Go to an isolated place West as Lake. much as you can. And Westlake has isolation <laughs> even within the city and almost call guys out to one on one sessions. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like literally, it's just you. You or def- it's, it's like two defenders, you and then a wide receiver. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you can't well, get gathering more than groups of ten and be literally just be practical about it and go. All right, we're gonna. I'm gonna make up a schedule. I need to rotate with guys. I gotta throw with guys, yeah. and that's what you, I mean. It's crazy, but this is these are the kind of ideas as you get as you are getting creative. People are going to have to get creative on, okay, you know what? How do we follow the rules? How do we make sure we're responsible citizens? But also, we got to get this work in because we got a brand new coaching staff, brand new system, and everybody's got to at least have kind of a foundation of knowledge about this thing. And hey, you know what? Bring J.W. Walsh out there. Have J.W. Walsh there. And I don't know, like maybe, I don't know how the how it works because now I don't know the rules because there are no rules to exactly. this. How Can Yersich be out there? I don't know. If Yersich, can Yersich and Sam just go hang out right now? Like I don't know the rules as it relates to the NCAA, but I know that Sam can go work by himself with his with his teammates. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I think J.W. Walsh well, is in the I don't think J.W. Walsh can. So maybe he can't be out there. So I'm just talking about so. so Sam needs to go. To make because I know Sam, they give him access to the playbook and everything, and at least the concepts. And Sam needs to go work them, go rep them. And I know that's unfair because I don't even know how much he's got of that playbook right now. But man, you got to get creative. Think outside yeah, with the box. Texas having them, that's where the schools like that are say. Just coincidentally, in a situation where you have a new coach, we're implementing a new system. We're going to be at a much disadvantage because yeah. the way the NCAA is going to view this is everybody's on a level playing field because mm-hmm. they are in relation to the pandemic. And then, like, even though when we start talking about practices, like right now, the NBA has made a point to tell teams players cannot practice with one another because yep. of the idea of wanting yeah, to yeah. transfer, and especially the idea of the NBA, you have a ball that you're transferring fluids with quarterback receivers the same type of idea so like there can be the personal you know under 10 people gatherings like if you're doing a recreational thing totally off to the side like you're talking about i don't know yeah yeah exactly like there's that recreational aspect to it but if we're talking about where the ncaa is i think they're just going to be trying to get to next year because in their mind they've ended this calendar sports year football fall sports volleyball they're done and then They've already instated a year of eligibility for the ones that mm-hmm. missed the spring. So I really don't know if we're going to see much coming from them about what's going forward. What's regulated, what's not. We can't even talk about it until, yeah. best case scenario, we can start talking about it June, July or something. But that's already too late for teams like Texas that want to install a whole offense. But that's what the great thing about nowadays, you can have, I mean, I wonder what, you know, Zoom meetings and different types of teleconferences yeah, yeah. and so what, yeah, what exactly. amongst that those things are it's against legal. the NCAA rules. Exactly. Like, I don't even know what the NCAA connection, like you have the social media aspect when coaches can contact recruits. But what is that type of interaction with players on the current team in this current situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because usually you're walking through the freaking complex yeah, and, and I'm talking to the coaches. Hey, yeah, what's yeah, up, yeah. coach, or whatever. You know, I'm hanging out in the weight room. They, they, our paths can cross. They can't really teach you. So or you coach can do or have a, a session, but you can do a lot. There's a lot, lot of loopholes there. So I'm with Matt. You need to hire somebody right now <laughs> to look at that NCAA rule book See and what look at do. this look, situation and go. I think you can do this. I believe yeah. you can. You can do this. You can argue that this can be done. Yeah. That they never address this this or this mm-hmm. and just see re- being responsible because i'm not i don't want to promote gathering and groups of t- like three four guys 
and just say, all right, we're going to have a little sessions, man. Pick the leaders on the team and say, this is come on, I'm going to get some sessions going, and I'm going to do it with less than five guys out there. Well, uh, guys got a ton of time to look at film and to learn offense and look at all the coaches. Yeah, but you don't, if you don't know the offense, you're learning what's the no, point exactly, of looking at film. That's what I'm saying. That's the whole point. Like, I don't even know if they know. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they've been given the concepts. And if Chris Ash has already said, hey, here's, here's the playbook. This is or where we're going to learn these things. Here's the technique that we're going to be teaching. Like, have they had that opportunity? And if they have, great. But if they haven't, holy you yeah, know what I mean, I mean, it's back. <laughs> is it is it possible that by going to one clinic lecture, I know more about Chris Ash implementing his defense than Texas players do right now? You may. Well, we, I just because I'm with Matt, like I don't know <laughs> if, what the rule. I don't know what the rule says about them just giving them a, a playbook. You yeah. know what I mean, and giving them, you know, just giving them basically kind of a written form of your of your philosophy and everything. Yeah. Like, uh, can you do that? I'm sure you can. I think you can. I think you can. Because hell, I, yeah, I'm the sure rules that, change all the time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm you can sure. do that, and I'm sure that there's an there's a, like a I don't know if they get you know la- uh, laptops and iPads, but yeah. I'm sure that there's like a copy of it that they send digitized to yeah. to the guys because in the NFL, I mean, that's basically what you get. You get a, like an iPad or the Microsoft tablet or whatever, and then they send you the playbook on that thing, and you you know you go through. And they, they actually can track <laughs> how long you are on it, on and when page. you are on it, and when you check in, and when you check out, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't, I just don't know the rules. I wish I did. That damn NCAA rule book is like a tax code, it's like a yellow page. And look, before we go any further, <laughs> let me just say this: we're not. I don't want to make this sound like we're making light of anything that's going on. We're just trying to give you guys an escape. No. That's what we're doing here on the Blitz. So. If it, if, if it comes long, off that no, we're just been being flippant about it, that's not I'd what we're trying yeah. to do. It's a Longhorn football podcast. Right. So, so I just yeah, want I mean, to make that clear. Yeah. But, Rod, I, I think it goes back to what we talked about a minute ago. Right now, you're going to have to get creative because we talk about what materials do you have, what materials do you not have. You can't be on campus right now. That's what I'm saying. I know. Like, you, you can't, like you can't even if you wanted to go to the facility and grab something, like, you can't. Until, so the communication must be via phone uh, and stuff like that. Until the Big 12 or Chris Del Conte says, uh, yeah, you can be in this place at this time under these parameters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this is this it's is, uncharted territory. We've never been here before. Yep. And it's, I think it's, it's you know, for Tom Herman, I, and I said we all, I think all on the macro, as you just more mentioned, we're all macro as the human race right now. We're focused on one task right now, and that is social distancing, self-quarantine. Let's make sure we're clean, wash your hands, be, you know what I mean? Yep. Be vigilant, be responsible, don't panic, be prepared. I think we all get it now. I think everybody's now is in the same mode. It's actually a beautiful thing to watch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, what I think of as, as American exceptionalism right now, we're just depending on one another to focus on one task, and that's how we won world wars and things like mm-hmm. that. Well, everybody was on the same page. I'm a, I'm, I'm a guy who's in team sports, so to me, I, I love it. I, Total self, must self do sacrifice. Your job. Yeah, do your damn job. You self sacrifice. Quit thinking about your damn self and think about the team. Yep. You know what I mean? Like to me, this is I'm it's like simple. Oh, you just mean do one little mean, thing? This is how I grew up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. I think that's but on the micro, you know, you think of Tom Herman, you know, this for him, who who do you call about this? Who do you call about getting ideas and experience and wisdom? You don't. No. Hey, everybody's you call Mac Brown, Mac Brown be like, man, I I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> never been through this. This is wild. This is I'm crazy. Listening to Sally. I never, <laughs> I'm just Sally's Sally's telling what to do here and she doesn't know very much either. I mean, we're here, we can't self quarantine. I'm getting tired of her. I'm you know only laying like, now. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm afraid to go see my boy. <laughs> yeah, nobody can give you advice on this situation. So you have to, you know, the men say you have to kind of use, you know, obviously use judgment and be responsible, but also, all right, how can 
the, the little bit of margin that we can gain here in this situation yeah. and, and also make sure that nobody, nobody is put at risk of anything. How can we do it? Because, you know, this is what we would be doing anyway. And the little bit of life that we can continue to do, work from home, you know, do these podcasts in responsible ways. Americans are trying their best to do that. You know, to, you know no dine in, but hell, delivery is ready mm-hmm. to go. Americans are trying their best to gain those margins, you know, specific edge so the economy doesn't just come to a halt. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think on the, ma- on the more micro level, Tom Herman, he's got to think the same way. Like, how do I do it? How do I gain the edge in these little small, minute, minuscule margins? Yeah, and oh. at least you have the technology of today because if this Amen. was 20 years ago oh. with no internet, you, you had, had no, no chance. chance. <laughs> you had no chance. <laughs> Rob, this is Mailing playbooks. This is something you mentioned last week, and I think this is kind of the theme for if you want to kind of lose yourself in Texas football for a little bit amidst all that everything's going on in the real world. This is without question going to be the longest, most challenging offseason of Tom Herman's life. And you laid it out last week because you're dis look, you've had to you've hired seven new assistant coaches. You're displaced because you've had to move from Moncrief to the north end zone with the construction. You hell, you're right down the hall from your boss now. Like that's how you have to conduct <laughs> Very uncomfortable. Today. Right. <laughs> no look, I don't and this isn't a Tom Herman Crystal County thing. Nobody wants to work right down the hall from their boss. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. You got to pull a Costanza and just always be there. That state of the art. Exactly. That state of the art weight room you got. You don't even have that anymore. You, you, right you got a makeshift weight room in the North End. Yeah. So it was already challenging enough, and now you throw this in there. This is really going to test Tom Herman in ways that he never thought imaginable he was going to be tested. Yeah, I am excited to see how, you know, the stories about what they did, what was his plan. You know, these are these are times when, you know, guys like, you know, Nick Saban and great coaches. Yeah, organizational skills. The, oh, yeah, like, that have this those is skills. almost a, the well, haves they, or have-nots yeah, can be separated this during is exactly, the season. exactly, it's very small margins, and it's a situation where nobody's been prepared for, but they will have a plan uh, in place. They will make sure that, okay, you know what, this is what we can do, this is what we can do, uh, and this is the way that we still get better, even though everybody else believes they have no other way of getting better. It's going to be very challenging. It's extremely challenging. In this next season, I can tell you already, it's going to be more volatile to each way if you're looking at it just from a betting angle or just how the games will play out. Because if you're well organized, if you have a, you know, a crazy, not say a pandemic plan, but a plan that, oh, bleep goes to hell, we're going to have to do it differently than we've ever done it. And now you're comfortable in running a team of 85 young men or the other ones that are going to not be as organized may not nearly be as good. So having the fact that once you get back together and you can be possibly playing games within a month or two months, maybe from that time, that's going to show like which teams, the ones that do have it together, have the organizational aspect and are able to implement or streamline or just get the best production quickly or just say the more talented teams will separate. Ron, I got two new uh, news items I want to get to, and then a question for you because you're of the three of us, you're by far in the best position to answer it. What I'm going to ask: uh, NFL free agency news as it concerns lifetime Longhorns. You guys, you guys want the good news or the bad news? Good, good news first. Good news first. Good news first. The Eagles are bringing back Hassan Ridgeway on a one year deal. Oh, uh-huh. that's good. That's nice. good news. Yeah, yeah. Good for him to extend yeah, his time. Nice. Bad news. Uh oh. Jaguars are releasing Jeff Swaim after signing him to a multi-year deal last offseason. Ah, uh, yeah, they figured out that he's 
he's still a one-trick pony. <laughs> they brought him in. It was like, you know what? Maybe we can develop this guy. I mean, that Jeff Swain has always done one thing really, really well and been elite at it. Yeah. And it's blocking. And, and they've, they've always wanted to. Even the Cowboys, I think everybody's thought about, man, what? He's got great size, too. Got great specs, great measurables. And there's always the thought, man, if we can just teach him how to run a route or, you know, I mean, teach him these subtle nuances of the passing game that, you know, I think he can, you can have a breakout season and you can unlock him or something and now nah, he's he's just an elite blocker and you know what he's gonna make another NFL roster he's just gonna get him on the cheap yeah right. that's all and Who it was because thought? at the end of last year what it was when dictator Coughlin was out there like breaking all the health yeah. codes and like forcing players to do things that were like against oh, the thank god he's not in charge well, right but, now they'd be but practicing exactly <laughs> also why Swain's not there anymore possibly because he also fit that Coughlin style Who'd of offense so Who'd now he knew front office there Who'd have thought, Rod? Go back to 2014, that Sean Watson offense that we all hated that still just makes me want to rip out the hair I don't have thinking about that offense. But that offense would produce three NFL tight ends. <laughs> Jeff Swaim, mm-hmm. Andrew Beck, yeah. and Tyrone, and Tyrone Swoops. Swoops. Good point. That offense produced three NFL tight ends. Amen. It didn't that do much of anything package. else. They had a yeah. good goal line package. But it produced three NFL tight ends. That is a great point. Tyrone Swoops led the Big 12 in rushing TDs, didn't he? Yeah, no, no not that right year. It was that. that group, like yeah. that mentality of no, the offense, right, did when your quarterback is an NFL fullback. After the in tight end <laughs> position was an endangered species on the forty acres for what, five, six, seven years or something. Yeah. We didn't yeah. even realize it. This was a breeding ground for NFL tight ends the whole time. I think Tyrone Swoops did get one target last year. I'll double check it, but he was on the field uh, for a lot of snaps. Two years ago, he had a catch. Yeah. Well, but, but but he's on the, for a lot of snaps. He'll play forty he a, snaps. Yeah, yeah. But he just was out there blocking constantly all of November and December. Mm, yeah. You want you guys want to rebrand this thing tight end you? Nah, because they're just they're not huh? multidimensional. Huh? Exactly. Like, we're not even proud of. We Ain't be, no Bo Skis <laughs> or Jermichael Finley. Yeah, there are no Davis out there. With Blaine yeah. Irby's no Jermichael Finley. Hell, I just realized that just racking my brain sitting here recording this podcast is not. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not like something that's. That's but that's a good point though. No, I've never heard anybody bring it up. But you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So something something good. I, I once uh, I once wrote a, an article after he was demoted about the good things you could give Sean Watson credit for, and there wasn't many. Um, but like what you could credit Sean Watson for, and somebody's immediate response was the only positive thing to come out of Sean Watson's tenure at Texas is that nobody died under his watch. (laughs) And John Harris. I was gonna say John Harris is a good one. (laughs) Which, but you know, Rod, like I I, I use that. I use that to talk about something. I'm sure you're gonna talk. You talked about uh, on your shows that you will continue to talk about on that unnamed afternoon show on the Horn, which is an outstanding afternoon show, by the way. Thanks, brother. Um. That was the only positive. People were asking me, like, what what positive came out of the DeAndre Hopkins trade? I was like, well, that I know of, oh, there were God. no injuries or fatalities made in the process of that transaction. So that's one positive. <laughs> I think the positive is that the air raid offense now, the NFL's air raid offense, is fully armed and operational. It yeah. is that, that wide receiver, Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella, Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk. You know they're going to draft another wide receiver in the deepest wide receiver mm-hmm. draft in NFL history. And you got Kyler Murray. They need to spend money on that O-line. I think they spend the 12th fewest dollars on the O-line if look at the salary cap. But man, I'm telling that offense, you can't 
None of, I think all those guys can beat most DBs in the NFL one on one. Do you say screw it and just draft CD Lamb? Just throw. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, do you say just just load up? But no, they yeah. need to get me a left tackle. So no, they should just get a left tackle. You got to protect Kyler Murray a little bit more. But I'm with you. I'm like at this point, I'm like, man, you get one more really good. Even if they get like a Devin Duvernay late, I'll be like, oh my. holy well, shit! Because people don't realize how good Andy <laughs> Isabella is gonna be. Like oh that dude, God. they traded up Hakeem for Butler. him. Yeah. He forgot how good he was because he was hurt <laughs> last year as a rookie. Dude, both of those guys, to me, are guys that could end up starters for NFL teams. Yeah. And then whenever you know. you're – when you, you have Cliff Kingsbury knocking on your door trying to fleece you for the best wide receiver in the league, you should understand what's happening. You know on draft – I'm scared that Bill O'Brien called them. You know on draft day. <laughs> yeah, because of personal vendettas, it's I'm totally absurd. You know on draft day, right? Absolute like power. if Tristan Wirfs gets down to eight, where the, like the Cardinals – you said they need an offensive lineman, mm-hmm. and like Tristan Wirfs gets there. And Cliff's looking at the board, and he's looking at C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy, and somebody that runs like Cliff, don't we need a, we need a left tackle? Don't, don't, please, don't. He's, he's gonna have you. But have you, guys, but have you guys thought about this? What this would look like? I picture that Let you know me put you have Jerry a, Judy in this offense. You have a devil on one shoulder, an angel on another. I picture Mike Leach on one shoulder mm-hmm. talking to him. You know what I mean? It, it did. You know, and then on another shoulder, it's Mike Leach again saying, "Hell yeah, draft CD Lamb." Don't <laughs> 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 forget about yep, that, Jack. No, for sure, just CD Lamb. <laughs> he should. <laughs> I think it's Mike Leach talking to him. And you're right; he could do that, and everybody would go, "That's the air raid, baby." Yeah. Get ready for it. <laughs> it's uh, it's already here. So, Rod, the the, th- the thing I wanted to ask you about is. When you talk about the draft, and the draft, as far as we know from what the NFL said, is still going to go on starting April 23rd. We do know that most of the pro days have been canceled. The NFL mm-hmm. ceased all private workouts, whether it's teams flying a prospect in or teams going out on the road yep. to visit prospects. My question to you is this. If you're a guy like Colin Johnson – who needed the pro day, who needed the private workouts. Feel bad. Because and I guess because as a, if you haven't been drafted yet, you're technically not a member of the players association yet. Mm-hmm. So there really is no like legal recourse those guys can take to say you holding the draft under these circumstances is unfair. Oh, no. There can't be any kind of legal action, right? No, because they're in purgatory. They're no longer student-athletes, and they're also no. They're still not part of the Players they're Association. Applying, no. yeah, the play, in hoping, other words, the Players got, Association they, isn't going to step in and help them. No, because they're, play, right. they're not a part of the Players Association. Okay. They're literally in purgatory. And right. they're at the point that with the NFL, I mean, they, they're just trying to go find their next workforce. So yeah. you can take yourself yeah. out of the None workforce, but no, you, now you can start – you're Colin Johnson, like we were saying before, start sending your tapes in or your personal workouts in, which is what a lot of these players are doing. Yeah, and I'm not, look, I'm not saying Colin Johnson's playing on suing the NFL. I'm just throwing that out there in case if, if prospects did decide, hey, this isn't fair. I don't get a pro day. I don't get private workouts. Hey, man. Society. Seniors are saying it right, right now. They're not going to get a prom and they're not going to get a graduation. And it's one of those life lessons that you're right. That is not fair. And life is not fair. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be an asterisk coronavirus next to everything, like in every record book or recording in history. Yeah. It, it's just, it, it's, it sucks for those guys that were really needing a pro day. But you know what's, what's interesting, though? And I wonder. Well, actually, I don't think Texas could do it. I mean, I guess you could, mm. um, but you might have to limit pro day participants. L H in it. Well, one thing, but like, then people wouldn't trust it. Well, no, but like what Iowa did, what I was doing, they're holding a pro day. They're just closing it off to outsiders completely. Yeah, and they're going to send that tape to teams. 
I know, but then like I said, and I I know because they brought this up. I mean, KD or BK, one of them brought it up, and I said you got to remember the NFL doesn't trust anybody. Right. The NFL is a clandestine, almost. You know what I mean? Like it, that's the way they work. They work like yeah. the CIA or the FBI. That's the reason when you go to the combine, they have when you get your medical exams, there's five to six different sessions of it because every team wants to have their own. They want to poke and prod you. They want right. to have their. They don't trust the Browns examination of you, and they should not. Same by the way, you know what I mean? It's the, it is the same thing. So that's why they were talking about, man, maybe LHN could, you know, they could throw it out there and have it broadcast live on LHN. That's great, but it is LHN. They want everybody to look good on LHN. You know I mean? They're not going to trust, oh, Texas sent me the tape of Colin Johnson working out. Well, I don't know if I trust their tape. I don't know if I trust their time. Literally at the NFL Combine, there's electronic laser timing. These old men walking around with stopwatches. Yep. <laughs> they don't I got it. my time. And it's like, well, you know there's electronic time. No, no, I got my own time. And it's like, okay, your time is probably less accurate than the laser time. No, no, I got my own time. And it's like, okay. So that's how it works. And I don't know if they'll I still don't know if that will, the video from the institution that is promoting the young man in an NFL that is so secretive will work out. It'll do what you want in booster draft. For a pro day, don't don't you need to have uh, I don't know if you have but any pro day, every pro day I've been to, you have an NFL scout, whether it's an area scout or somebody else, mm-hmm. you have somebody who runs that pro day. You have yeah. somebody that can run and conduct it, yeah. How, so how are you going to have an NFL scout or whoever run a pro day when scouts aren't well, on the road? No, right you now? aren't going to. That's and, and that also goes to the point of trust, right? No, this isn't yeah. going to happen. Like the way that the MMA this past weekend tried this in Brazil, where you sent just two announcers, you had just two athletes, and you had a camera crew. It's still like we're bordering on a ten-person max yeah. already there. And then the way it was viewed as something that shouldn't probably be done during this time, yeah. especially when we're trying to set the example to limit these things to where it's unfortunate, but like, yeah, the, no just the practicality of staying within the parameters for the next month, it's nearly impossible because even a basic LHN broadcast has more than 10 people on it. Yeah. So you aren't going to be able to be allowed to do those things when you're a massive corporation. So it's going to come down to like kids individually sending workout things to coaches, or maybe if you say have a area, like how you said that there are area scouts the NFL isn't sending scouts on the road, but if there was a one-on-one type situation where you could work out one guy in your area, but those are just more like a personal workout, and the NFL is trying to stay away from and those you, too. The NFL said you can't do those. Yeah. yeah. So. Even with the ones that aren't traveling along those Nobody lines. wants the liability of someone tracing back um, one of those cases to your specific event. Nobody no. wants to be the mayor from Jaws. No. So, and I totally no, I mean, understand. That's why you should, you should be shutting it down. We're talking about individuals, you know, like we were doing, like going to get your, your, your to-go food or us doing this podcast, if you can do it responsibly. But it, it's really tough. I mean, I don't know if there's anything Colin Johnson can do. I, I, I hurt for Colin Johnson because I know it probably hurts Colin Johnson more than it hurts anybody else. Brandon Jones, you know, you know, he he made headlines because of you know his uh, his his move that he decided to study each team and then present them with a portfolio mm-hmm. and he had basically flipped the session around where he was interviewing the teams. That was great, even though he couldn't work out. You know, his draft stock increased. Malcolm Roach, great workouts at the combine. Draft stock increased. Um, you know, what I mean, you go look at Devin Duvernay. Of course, his draft stock's always been high, but I think it increased even more after the combine. Nobody. I would say Colin Johnson hasn't had a chance to increase his draft stock yeah. yet, and I don't think he will. 
At least his senior day, those or the senior bowl, those workouts, I remember at That's the time. Good. That, that was that. now that we have less and less to analyze, though, but those type of workouts that used to be passed over now do That's have true. value because they actually were ran by people that are going to be involved with this process. That's where this, the wide receiver crop is so deep that yeah. Oh, yeah. when would they get to them? You know they're going to be like, the next they're gonna be, running they're gonna, back. It's like 10, 15, maybe 20 guys they're going to be looking at even before Colin Johnson potentially. It, at just devalued via depth. Yeah, and if you're Colin Johnson, Rod, don't you have to hope that by the time you get to, I don't know, fifth, sixth round, that at that point, like we talked about, somebody just sees your name on the board still and they say, you know what, this guy had first-round grades, first-round projections mm-hmm. from people at one time. Oh, yeah. And you're just going to have to hope that one team out there just says, you know what, damn the fact that he's been injured, we love what we saw on tape, we're taking yeah, him. I agree with you. And he's got amazing film. Yeah. And so I, you know, for Matt, somebody who likes him, I agree with Matt. They're gonna they're gonna go back and go, man, I like him even more. And it's good that they're gonna be compartmentalized to watching that film because they're mm-hmm. gonna be, you know, they'll be in awe of him. Like, man, look at his flexibility. Look yeah. at the catch radius. Look at the, you know, the <laughs> body, uh, you know, the, the body movements and body control. So I, I'm with you. I think that whoever decides they really like him. They're gonna fall in love with him. I'm just hoping that's you know that's a team that is willing to take him late in the in the draft because I don't think he'll go in the first four rounds right now. I had one of our one of our favorite people, friend of the show, Matt Miller, the NFL draft lead analyst from Bleach Report. I had oh, yeah. him on Lights of Tower, which by the way you can I heard hear that. weekdays ten to noon on the Horn one four nine with myself and Craig Way. Um, I had Matt Miller on there, and he basically said right what you're saying. You know, if, if you look at just Colin Johnson's tape. He's got tape that says he's probably a top 100 guy in this draft, even as deep as this receiver crop is. But what he needed was the private workouts and the pro day to have enough teams say, okay, what I saw there jives with the tape. We feel good about it. Exactly. Because he's not getting that benefit of the doubt right now. Yep, exactly right. I totally agree. Too many other guys had shock factors that may have infatuated teams. And I don't know if a team right now is infatuated. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's there's mm-hmm. one or two I'm sure there's a scout in this with the Seattle Seahawks scout somewhere with I don't know, some other team that, you know, I'm not really thinking about off the top of my head that really, really likes Colin Johnson. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and that the, guy's gonna pound the table right. and he's gonna watch the film and send clips of Colin Johnson to, you know, the 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 I don't know the position coach or to the deep offensive coordinator and say hey man this guy I'm telling you he's there you better skills. move him up on the board when you just look so, at his footwork and his yeah. catch radius and, and he's a balls, legacy guy exactly yeah. and I mean his measurables aren't bad and I mean even though the forty time could only have hurt him sort of before right now the unknown it almost helps him because you can't say he's slow and you can't point to mm. that but you'd like to prove it it would be better to prove it and he probably will go out there and maybe put out a you know tape of him running a 40 but like you said those things are going to be hard to trust but the film the film is about as good as it gets on a guy like him when you just talk about receiving skills and then the idea of the radius and the legacy add those things all together like a team with a big arm quarterback could use a dude like that uh you know the other thing too rod that i think helps colin is his dad you know johnny johnson Mm -hmm. legendary lifetime longhorn spent a lot of time in the nfl you know, Johnny's been involved in that coaching community for a long time and, and knows a lot of people. And I think the the legwork Johnny did in the background work Johnny was able to do and the people he knows, I think that helped Colin make the decision to come back to Texas for his senior year. So I, I would think there's there, – look, there's going to be scouts out there that maybe they've known Johnny for a while that would, you know, trust his word and feel like, look, at the very least, if you've got concerns about the kid, you know, A, he's not going to be a problem in the locker room. Mm-hmm. B, he's going to be a guy that 
off the field you don't have to worry about and see he's a guy that's going to work his tail off. Yeah. So at the very least, in terms of those those periphery things that you talk about, well, do you want to invest in a guy? Colin Johnson's going to check a lot of those boxes. No, I and I've always said I think Colin Johnson's a guy that make that can make an NFL roster. Right. I, I still feel that way. Mm-hmm. This is all about how he gets there and you know what path he's going to take, whether it be an undrafted free agent or you know fifth round pick, fourth round pick, sixth round pick, whatever. So. You know, one thing I wanted to talk about, and this is, uh, you know, at Horse 24-7, we're having to get creative with, with content right now because we're, we're working under the assumption, Everybody. Rod, that we're not going to have spring practice. No way. So this is uh, our topic this week is what are the top three is, – is name pick the top three players from the Texas football program in the last 25 years and rank them in order. Now, the easiest part of that exercise would be, all right, Ricky Williams, Vince Young, Colt McCoy, rank them. I didn't do that for my part. Hmm. What I did was let me take those three guys and completely omit them from consideration. Because what's the fun in that? (laughs) Not fun. So basically you take those three guys out of the equation. Who are the three best players at Texas in the last 25 years? And Rod – all at Texas, not involving pro career, just at right, Texas. Right, just career. at Texas, just based on what they did at Texas. And, Rod, the three guys on my list, again, omitting Cole McCoy, Ricky Williams, and Vince Young, mm. you played with all three of these guys. Mm. No early. I know. I'm surprised at that. Number one on my list is Roy Williams. Because when Roy Williams was healthy mm. and locked in and used right in the offense, he's one of those guys that every time he touched the ball, you held your breath. Yeah, well, I did watch that Aggie game, the afraid? 2000 true, Aggie game, whenever he had the big 40-yard reverse, the two TDs his freshman year, whenever him, BJ, and Sloan all scored TDs from Sims in that second half. Like, that game was a showcase of Roy Williams. Where he got the ball in a reverse and beat everybody, like nobody touched him? Yes. Yeah. That one was great. And then if you want the ultimate Roy Williams tape, Rod, LSU. it's the last game you played on the 40 Acres. Yeah, LSU was the yeah. game. Go ask Nick Saban and Will Muschamp how good Roy Williams is. Yeah. They'll probably tell you. That's the game, honestly, that got him drafted as high as he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because they won a national title that, that next year, and that oh, defense was – God, he was so good in that yeah, game. Yeah, he was killing it. And that's where, when you think his career, because that freshman year sort of – because he was that pre-internet era of recruit that when he showed up, you really, you had heard about Texas got like three of the best receivers in the nation. But then when one seemed to be light years ahead of the other ones, just in physical stature and strength yeah. and like – his freshman year, like that Aggie game when the 43-17 game was the one that – it was the first big national televised type game because that's, you know, your Thanksgiving game. The whole country gets to see him as a freak. And, like, you know, they're talking about him leaving early to the pros back then even though it wasn't even allowed to do so. He just was so freakish. But, yeah, no, if we're talking about just overall freaks – Roy probably could be right up there with the Vince Youngs and the Ricky Williams when you've seen just top in ability at certain times of his career. Rod, when you people use the term freak a lot, like, oh, he's a freak, he's a freak athlete. Roy Williams is 6'2, 6'3, 200 pounds. Go run a 10 4 Andrew, or 24, 25 foot long jumper. Yeah, man. That's a freak. He, he won state. Nasty I think it was hands too. Great hands. Can you tell? Can you tell 10? the Detroit story? Because I think this just sums up Roy Williams. Like yeah. his first, his first practice. 
Yeah, we well, yeah, cuz what I cuz I was there when they they drafted cuz they when well, they had Charles Rogers there, the wide receiver from Michigan State who was drafted. I want to see top 5. As he yeah, was like before second or third before overall. The, one pick before the before, Texans yeah. took Andre Johnson. Yeah, like they and they, you know, and he was a local kid. He was Michigan born State. In, yeah, he went to Michigan State, but I forgot like what the town he was so from. Flint or Dearborn? Um, yeah, and he was Flint. Maybe it was he was he was local though, and they yeah. thought he was gonna be you know amazing. Well, he was really really skinny, kind of built like I don't know. He was just built frail, yet he didn't really have any chest muscles. Very strange that he was so. Uh, I was shocked that he was so dominant in the Big Ten. I really was because and, and Sean Rogers was Saginaw, there with, by the way, Saginaw, Michigan, Saginaw, Michigan, and Sean Rogers was already there with the Detroit Lions, uh, and and we also had Corey Redding there. All right, so it was me, Corey Redding, and Sean Rogers, and we had been telling Coach Mooch, Coach Mariucci, that listen, if you drafted that guy, all right, as high as you did. Then Roy Williams, I was like the Roy Williams, you know, draft uh, pick is no, that's a no brainer because that guy and Roy Williams ain't even on the same planet. Roy Williams is way better receiving. Everybody doubled down on that Corey Redding, and so did you know Sean Rogers. I'm not saying they drafted Roy Williams, and that was back to back years. I'm not saying they mm-hmm. drafted Roy Williams because of us, but they pretty much drafted Roy Williams because we were like, dude, he's way better, and they needed him because Charles Rogers ended up flaming out. He was he loved his weed, he loved smoking weed. I was I was injured with Charles Rogers the same year, injured reserve. Good, trust me, the guy. <laughs> and, uh, he's, and I think I don't, is he is he is he passed away? Yeah, he passed away. He passed away, right? Yeah. So all right, back I don't in November, that. yeah. And he was he was a cool dude, but man, he loved to get on it. All right, he loved the good green and <laughs> loved it a little too much. Basically, is kind of the uh, the premature end of his career. But anyway, when they drafted Roy Williams, the first training camp they had, like the one we all had together uh, as a team, and it wasn't training camp. It was like it was like a mini camp, I should say, because we were in shells. Roy Williams runs a six route across the middle, just a 12-yard in route. And I want to say Dre Bly was actually covering him, if I'm not mistaken. And the quarterback is Joey Harrington. Check down (laughs) Joey, for God's sakes. One of the times he actually threw it downfield. Check down down Joey, throws it. I mean, he put it on a line, too. It's a heater. And but he throws it behind Roy, probably about a yard behind Roy, and Roy's streaking across the field. He's got separation on Dre Bly. He's going safety closing in, and then out of nowhere he reaches back like with his back hand, mm-hmm. and one hands the catch, palms it, palms the football. Looks like there's Larry and Fitzgerald never screaming. and never ever tucks it. As he runs away from it, never tucks it. He actually palmed it one hand and then started his running motion. Never tucked it, had it in one hand, basically holding it, holding the football like a damn basketball. Cantaloupe. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just, it, it was amazing. And it, 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 and everybody at that point, awestruck. And I think Mariucci, everybody silent. And only me, Corey <laughs> Redding, and Sean Ross was like, yeah, we told you. We told you. That dude. Because he was, man, he, he was amazing. And when he first got there, he was really good, too. But, of course, it's the Detroit freaking line. So they can ruin anybody. And, Rod, I'll say this, too. Um, you, you've had this opinion that Roy Williams cannot be considered the greatest receiver in school history because of his success or lack thereof in the Oklahoma game. Yeah, I agree with that. You scored more touchdowns against Oklahoma than Roy Williams. Yeah. Yeah, so he can be the greatest. And I think he, he deserves to be in the conversation, but Jordan Shipley's the greatest wideout in Texas football history. 
Now, it was good. Before Jordan came, you could have said Roy was, but then Jordan, his production in those games, like that 08 game was Jordan just is, unbelievable. Jordan. But for the context of y'all's discussion of freakishness of Roy Williams, only because it was mentioned on that broadcast I happened to watch two nights ago, Roy Williams won state in the long jump by jumping 25-6. It more than stupid. Right, the rest of the 4A was 24-3. 3A was 24. His runner-up in 5A was 24-5. He won state by more than a foot. He won it with a 25-6 jump. stupid. That is crazy. Yeah, totally absurd. So, Roy Williams, to me, is number one on my list like of that. best players I've seen in the last 25 years because just uh, absolute freak for the ball in his hands. Number two, go to the other side of the ball. And, Rod, you talk about freaks. A guy that was so good that had to be on the field that Bull Reese decides, you know what, we just need to have four linebackers on the field because all four of these guys are really good. Man, Derek Johnson, didn't see one like him before, haven't seen one like him since. Yeah, Agreed. I agree on that. And he was actually one of the few people that I've ever seen in any football career be better in the latter half of his career than he was at the beginning because it's crazy. The NFL evolved into his skill set because mm-hmm. he was from the Big 12, a spread. He was going to spread era of football. Like P.J. Tucker. Spread, spread ecosystem. Yeah. And then once he, the NFL became Big 12 football, he, he flourished. He was awesome. And I think that's because the the NFL basically was his his style of play fit. It was more compatible with a, with a spread league. And I, I think Matt's right, too, about P.J. Tucker. The NBA yeah. now fits his you know, very unique skill set. And if P.J. Tucker had been like a first-round pick, he wouldn't have had to go to Greece for those first five years or Israel and all the places he played. But a guy like Derek Johnson was ba- able to barely stay on the roster to then be able to afford – the riches that came with his skill set in the NFL. And I just happened to click in the 5A uh, state championship for the 100 that year. Roy finished third with the 10 4 8. You know who was fourth? Adorian McCullough. He beat out Adorian McCullough. McCullough. How about nice. that? Think about that. A lot of people say Adorian McCullough is the fastest person they've ever seen. Yeah. Roy Williams is faster. No, I'm telling you, right? <laughs> Dude. Yeah. It's stupid. It's stupid yeah. to be that big and that like freak. But, Rod, I want to ask you this. Or film sessions That's with crazy. Bull Reese, Derek Johnson's freshman year, was it a lot like us watching the games where you would just see like this orange blur fly across the screen? You're like, what the hell was that? And it's like, oh, it's Derek Johnson. Like, and you, everybody kept thinking, like, man, as good as he is right now, once he actually wants the instincts and the experience catch up with the athleticism, it's going to be off the charts. I don't, honestly, I don't ever really remember him having like a like hitting a freshman wall or needing like to. To learn like the fresh the, the freshman curve, all the kind of stuff. Like honestly, I think he was great from the time I saw him. When all, he showed up, practice. he seemed like he was. The I don't best think player. I don't think there was a time where I I saw him and I was like, oh, he's gonna be great. I think I saw Derrick Johnson. Really? I was like, oh, he's great. He's great from day one. Day one. And said Benson was kind of like that. It was yeah. like, oh, well, no, so so he's gonna he's gonna be really good. No, he's really damn good. Took. Us losing to Oklahoma to figure that out. And Derrick Johnson, I mean, I don't know how deep into the season it took him to start him, but. It, Wasn't that long. At a, it didn't Wasn't that long. long. It was like, I think they got a few weeks of practice and went, all right, guys. I mean, he's better than any of you. And everybody was like, yeah, he's better than us. Go ahead, put him out there. We cool. We cool with that. It's, uh, <laughs> no argument here, guys. It's no. weird because <laughs> Rod, argue that. Rod is, is, as good as your 99 class was, and that was kind of the class that, in terms of the kind of the modern era of Texas football, that's a class everybody looks at. Like, okay. You're bringing a different breed of cat into mm-hmm. this program. Yeah, yeah. You know, with yourself and both Scaife and Corey Redding and Chris Sims. Yeah. But 
in that class there wasn't a linebacker like Derek Johnson. And I remember watching like the first time I saw Derek Johnson's clips because uh, we're right around the same age. I remember seeing his clips from like the Waco news stations mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, man, when I saw him, I'm like, you know, I remember watching guys like Derek Brooks. I'm like, that's yeah. what that guy looks like. I like he that. looks like one of those Florida State Miami Long, linebackers. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't even look like a linebacker traditionally. You're like a six yeah. four safety. It's <laughs> yeah. weird. Like I don't, no, I don't even know. Yeah, I totally like, agree what, with that. Like what planet are you from? Yeah, kind of deal. Because yeah. he was like nearly like an all state basketball player. Like he was that good of an athlete. Like I had friends just like you said because he was like a class O one, so he was just a year younger than us, and that had played basketball in the Waco area. And we're like, no, nah, man, he could have went and played D one if he wanted to. It's just a football's his calling. And I, I, you know, when I, I hosted. My man, DJ, man. And I remember Mac, literally the, the talk from Mac. And, you know, Mac had his heavy hitters. The, the, the guy said, he was like, if you're recruiting, if we want this guy, you know, I'm going to give him the Sims or I'm going to give him the C-Red or I'm going to give him the Babers. I think BJ B. Johnson became one of those guys. Like, no, no, I got a 100% success rate. You give me who you want me to get, I'll yeah. get him. And he gave me Derek Johnson. He was like, Robbie, like, hey, man, we got to have him. We got we to gotta have this guy. We don't. We miss out on this guy, you know. Our national championship future, I, that blueprint that we we started with you guys. We don't know if we can get there. Like he's that pivotal. Like it, it was pretty. It, it, they were pretty upfront about you know by any means necessary. Not not cheating. But right. Just get the guy. Yes. <laughs> show yeah. him a good time. Show, no, we're not. Well, show him that not only a good time, but you know, my my what I told him was it, it doesn't matter where you go, man. You're gonna be you're gonna be great. You're gonna be a first round pick no matter where you go. You're that good. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you want to live in Texas and you love the state of Texas. I gave him the same pitch that, you know, basically Matt gave to me and that, um, you know, um, oh, man, now I'm going crazy. I uh, can't remember. A&M coach. R.C. Slocum. That he gave to me. R.C. Slocum. R.C. Slocum. That was his pitch to me. Like, Rob B., don't you want to live in Texas? He basically pitched Texas to me, even though mm-hmm. I lived in Texas. But as a young man, you don't think about where you want to live when you're 40. And he's like, don't you want to live in Texas once you make your millions and you're a Hall of Famer? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, then you want to go to school in Texas. It makes a difference. And I was like, really? He's like, oh, yeah. And every every player you would ask, they'd go, yeah, yeah, it makes a difference, man. And that's when I learned, no, if you want to live in Texas, you need to play ball in Texas. And, yeah, that's what I pitched to him. It worked. Man, I just remember. I, like <laughs> I said, I just remember yeah. watching his high school clips and me like, I, you know, I get excited about recruits, but yeah. Derek, Derek Johnson and Cedric Benson, those are the first two. I was like, man, I ain't seen Texas recruit guys like this. I've oh, never yeah. seen guys that young be that good. I'm trying to think who else was that good that young. Vince Young was when Vince came in. Vince was pretty damn good, but Vince still, Vince got better. Yeah, oh, you yeah. saw Vince get better. Yeah. I'm telling you, I think Ced B and Derek Johnson were just like they were yeah. that good when they stepped on campus, and I was like. Okay, he needs to lift some more weights and gain they some more weight. They were grown men, that's though, a, That's too. an NFL first-round pick right there. And said B, he was always good. Yeah. Since he stepped on the field as a freshman, he was cold. And I think Nathan Nasty Nate was like that. Nathan Vash was Earl like Thomas that, Earl Thomas was like that as freshman. There's certain players that Earl Thomas when we're was talking like that. about just that's like very first I never year. saw them like, yeah, I never saw them on a trajectory. It was like, no, they just hit greatness and they never And they that's never what Texas was missing for a while was like, I remember as a kid like being like, well, how, like whenever OU out of nowhere sort of like in 99, 2000, 
get these guys in. It's automated production. And then I was Amazing. like, now you're starting to get guys like Peterson, who's like the best. Like I was like, how are you ever going to compete with these type of athletes when you consistently be able to do it? Yeah. But Texas started to land those type of guys. That's true. And it was like, and it's that, if you just look at 2000, said B was that guy. DJ was that guy mm-hmm. in 01. Vince was that guy in 02. Adrian Peterson was that guy in 04. I don't know if the state had a guy like that yeah. in 03 or in 05, but like when those guys come, it is almost like, oh, well, if you get one of those type, like when they actually separate amongst the elite, those are the type of guys that you just feel like you can go and win you the know, next we, game against anybody. We've seen that in recent years with a couple of guys, not the volume like Matt's talking about, but like Quandre was one of those guys. Quandre was like, like the minute Quandre stepped foot on campus, like Rod. Oh man, was remember that? <laughs> like that split Quandre's Old first head. spring. You're like, he's starting somewhere. Yep. I don't know where. He's taking somebody's. Job. Jeff and, yeah. No, no, Caden Stearns had that yeah, about that's him. Another, that's the other one know, I was yeah. going to bring up. I know he's dealt with injuries, but Caden's got that about him. Man, you're was right. like, damn, he just seems like an old head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though he's immediately. A yeah. Well, and even De- Deontay Foreman didn't get the opportunities, but it seemed like that this second he stepped on as a young player, he was. We they talked just, about it. Yep. He just didn't get the chance, that's and then by his point. junior year, he Which had is a it. Damn shame. <laughs> yeah, and and here's you know you know something, uh, Rod. Did you end up you had a remote uh, down in Kyle down in my neck of the woods? Where you guys had Ricky Williams on the air and talked to Fozzie Whitaker. Yes. Did you get to run into Deontay down there? I, he was there, but it, we, I never got a chance to like you know, yeah. converse with him and have a conversation. There was fans around. He was signing autographs and he was in and out. But no I way. wanted to, I wanted to go talk to him and huh? see how he was doing. And hopefully, I wanted to actually tell him, you know, hey, don't give up on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're still young and in your prime. Like, give it, you, man. It's, it's you know the game is crazy. There's so many crazy stories about guys who are you know mm-hmm. selling gross sacking groceries or delivering goods or something one day and then oh they make the NFL roster. So I was gonna tell him, man, just, just if health if healthy, he'd have been a perfect guy for the XFL. Like he's the kind of guy that. Still the, make, they would envy him. Like he's he way above that. The XFL. Yeah. yeah, he'd be the best player in the XFL immediately. Well, assume, assuming there's an XFL to go back to once all this is over. Which Amen. Sounds like we'll there, another there will football be. season no, will be. before that. They paid all their guys, so that was a trust me. Now oh, all those guys, mean. those guys are gonna come back because you paid all those guys. You didn't pull the A A with the AFL AAF AAF yeah. You didn't pull that crap. No, and then you even told those guys, not only are y'all going to get paid and have your full reimbursement benefits and all yeah. that, but go sign with any NFL team. Go get it. Told them, go like, get money. Go that's get money. the point of this is to Beautiful. be a, way, a, a league right. to accessorize yeah. and to help love Vince the, be built around the NFL, yeah. and that was but really know, good business. You know what I was thinking about, though, with Deontay? If Chris Warren doesn't get hurt, do we ever see Deontay Foreman have that 2016 season? No, Probably that's, not. That's amazing. I, I we I mean to this day I mean I think we yelled for months at a time this they should be starting Deontay should be playing more and it, it, it was out of necessity that 2015 season yeah it was like Rod's weekly rant on why is Jonathan Gray still starting and why are you not starting Deontay Foreman <laughs> man it was crazy but there you go and number three on my list Rod a guy that's near and dear to your heart oh I wonder who this is gonna be I'm interested here because I'm still just blown away at his production his last year at Texas Casey Hampton. Yeah. And again, yeah, those numbers are always fun to look at. <laughs> and what and what do the three guys on That's my good. list have in common? I didn't see one like them before they got there. Yeah. I haven't seen one like that since they left. That's a good point. 
Yeah. Casey Hamp. Let me just go Casey Hampton's <laughs> senior year when he was Big Casey 12 Hampton defensive player of the year. Awesome. Yeah. It's like Wilt Chamberlain stuff. Yeah, it is. Remember, he plays defensive tackle, guys. He plays nose. He's, three, he's over the ball. And he's 300 and what, 10 pounds? At least like that? at that time. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because uh, in that A&M game, Big Leonard was listed 6'6", 365. Good Casey Hampton is a senior. <laughs> As a defensive tackle where he's getting triple teamed, Rod, and you can verify this, triple teamed at triple times. Team, yep. Tied for the team lead with 78 tackles <laughs> with Didi Lewis, who was a Mike linebacker. Yes. <laughs> it's a joke. Crazy. His tackle's for loss. Three, three, three and a half sacks. Oh, man. How does 18 tackles for loss sound? Yes. 18. On 18. A defense, on a defense with Didi Lewis, Corey Redding, Sean Rogers, you led the defense in tackles for loss with 18. How about quarterback pressures? Most guys out here, they might have 12 in. Casey Hampton, 22. <laughs> Absurd. I use an edge rusher. Yeah. <laughs> Two passes batted down, four forced fumbles. He would be like, as oh a, again, as a nose. As a nose tackle. You got to go. No, I think, honestly, to me, the wide zone stats is leading the team in tackles. I would like you to go through as many teams' stats uh, throughout the years as possible and find out the last time their defensive tackle yeah, led, them. led them in tackles. We talked about how great Puna Ford was, and Puna Ford would never fill up a stat sheet. No. It was like, you know, he was awesome. He impacted the game. You have no idea how to quantify his impact. And yet, this dude is leading the team in tackles. You running down. He's, I mean, he's running downfield. I mean, he's running downfield with me sometimes. Like, Casey's there. I'm like, this was a curl route. What are you doing here? <laughs> it was a curl route. What are you? Okay. Yeah, it that is. dude. Wow. Yeah, you're right. We don't give him enough props. No, he doesn't get enough props. He doesn't give him enough props. Because he plays, you know, he played, he's one of the greatest Steelers of all time. Yes, so. he, he should be on the all-time Steeler D-line, which is That's crazy. Well, look, and, and I said this about Casey Hampton, how much of a badass you are Man. when you can be on the Pittsburgh Steelers 75th anniversary team as a defensive lineman. D-lineman. Yeah. I mean, you kicked out some of the people from the steel curtain like, hey, man, I got bumped you. (laughs) Well, and they said we have to make it clear to put KC over some steel curtain dudes. No, I'm with you. Actually, I did not think about that one. I was I was ready to disagree with you. I was like, because you know you're leaving out somebody because, yeah, you didn't have Earl Thomas on there. I didn't you know, George Shipley on there. I was like, I'm ready to disagree with it, but no. Nope. 20, 25 years covers no, a lot of ground. No. that the, the, the three you gave, actually, it's hard for me to disagree with them. I'm not going to lie. I'm with you on that. I'm with you. I'll take Casey Hampton's 18 tackles for loss. No, man, I'm with you. It's crazy. And, and Casey's got one of the best stories, too, because – you know, Rod, you were there. You've talked called it the most embarrassing experience you've had on the football field, which is the two thousand loss to Oklahoma, the sixty three fourteen game okay. in the rain. Yeah. And you know, Mac Shameful. dresses everybody down and and Mac tells yeah, us. Yeah, Mac was a few times when Mac came in and Mac, you know, he dog cussed us. Mac doesn't Mac's not no. one of those guys, so he dog cussed us. And, and we deserved it. Mac told the story <laughs> getting on the bus of how Raging. Coach Royal made it a point to grab him and say, Hey, I just wanna let you know. You might think everybody played bad, but no, you need to go watch that film. You especially need to go watch what 64 did today. And if you go back and watch that game, Texas fans, as painful as it might be, this is one of the times where if you've got some time, mm. maybe go back and pull highlights. Don't watch oh. Texas did not lose that game because of Casey Hampton. No. Casey played like an All-American. Like some of those some of those dimes Josh Heupel threw, it's with Casey Hampton like breathing down his neck and damn near ready to take his head off. Yeah. That's how bad we were as a team, that he had an All-American performance and we still got blown out. And, <laughs> yeah, looking at his yeah. game log from that season, his game against Oklahoma State was just absurd, having nine tackles, four QB hurries, two forced fumbles, three tackles for loss, and two sacks. It's unbelievable.
Uh, no, I will say I'm, you've enlightened me, Jeff, because I was ready to, yeah, I was ready to disagree with you, but look, you, you, you convinced got, me. Rod, you've seen, you've seen my man. I made the, the Roy Williams one, I, I may, you know, have a little bit of disagreement there with Jordan Shipley, but other than that, you hit the nail on the head. I thought about putting Casey Hampton at one. Like, that's how much I love Casey Hampton. Like, Rod, you've seen my man cave, right? Yeah. And, and I, I'm adding, slowly adding memorabilia. One of the pieces I bought that's, Ready to get framed? Yeah, is is an autographed Texas Casey Hampton jersey. It's like I want that on my wall. Hell yeah, you like, do. Texas fans. I need Ricky and Nicole. Like no, I need Casey Hampton <laughs> Casey, up on the wall. Casey Hampton on my damn wall. No, I'm with you, brother. I'm with you, man. He's I, I, you forget how great he was. You really do. Damn. No <laughs> wonder why you guys are so good on defense, man. Rod, I could probably cover for four or five seconds if I got Sean Rogers and Casey Hampton. Up front. Aaron Humphrey was on that D line. Cedric Woodard played in the league for your, a while. Your, that, your junior oh, year, your your sophomore year, that two thousand defense. All four of those D linemen, starting D linemen, played in the NFL. It's amazing, yeah. man. Casey Hampton, Sean Rogers, Corey, and Kalen Thornton all played in the NFL. No, it's a, for a young young DB. I, I can't think of how. I probably wouldn't have. Who knows if I'd have kept that damn job if I didn't have a D line like that as a young DB? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. like, they they really because I well I guess I fi- I did figure out pretty quickly I was like they can't teams can't hold the ball against us mm-hmm. and that's why we started playing tons of bump and run. It was like well oh, we play the bump and run play that- and we can just disrupt the timing of the route with Casey Hampton, Sean Rogers, Aaron Humphrey, Cedric Woodard on D line. Oh well then I'm basically just playing bump and run for like a second and a half. Because yeah. you know I mean? yeah. after that if I can get my hands on them, dude. Your route's over because your quarterback's running for his life. And that already. team, when you talk about that team, that it's it. sort of like whenever you hear people talk about like uh, you know the U when they had like the forty three draft picks, but like yeah. never at one time did everybody overlap and play. Like some guys were Frank Gore was your fourth string running back or mm-hmm. whatever you go the tight ends. But, yeah. but that's why that two thousand Texas team is sort of the perfect marrying of everybody together because you have Leonard, Mike Williams, Casey Hampton, and Sean Rogers, but you have freshman Roy. Fred Freshman BJ, freshman Sloan, you got Sims. You haven't got Benson yet, yeah. which is close. Working and then you lose it. out on your Leonard and your Casey the year that Benson comes in. But just watching that Aggie game, I mean, it was so cool to see. Like, there's a screen out to the outside, and like, first off, I, like, the fact that A and M has running backs that were six foot two seventy five, Jamar Toombs. But then when you see Casey Hampton was Tiki and Sean, Hardiman still. Uh, I don't think so. I I didn't see him yet, but like there were a few plays where you see Casey Hampton literally jumping over an offensive lineman that Sean Rogers has plowed over, and the only way Casey Hampton can get to the sidelines is by hurdling a lineman and just so agile, just jumping over. And then you see Sean Rogers and Casey Hampton are bearing down on a ball (laughs) carrier going to the sideline. I was like, my God, this is just as fearful as it could be. Rod, that's what you hope for, right? In a coaching transition, and and throw Quentin Jammer in there. Too. Like say, yeah, it's Mac Brown getting the most out of the guys he inherited oh, from yeah. John McAvick and recruiting his tail off and just infusing yeah. more talent. He did a good job. The youth movement maximizing uh, McAvick, Scott, D.D. Lewis, all those guys. Before yep. before we go, um, one stat I want to throw out from that 2000 season. Rod, you finished second on the team in pass breakups that year with ten. That was a pretty good year. Well, nobody was throwing that jammer. Well, no, but you th- you break up ten passes in a year. It's pretty yeah, good, no, right? It was, it was good for a young guy. Yeah. You, you, you want to know why nobody threw a Quentin Jammer in two thousand one? Oh man, he was a beast. Because I want to tell you how many pass breakups he had in two thousand. About twenty. Yeah, <laughs> well, a lot of those were dropped interceptions. So he probably dropped seven interceptions. He had three picks, but twenty pass yeah. breakups. He probably he probably could have had eight picks that year. 
That's yeah. why Nathan Vash was so crucial to our, our secondary, because you had two DBs with bad hands. Yeah. I had bad hands, so did Quentin Jammer, but we could lock stuff down. Yeah. You put in a ball hawk in that thing That's a with teams returner. who didn't want to teams who didn't want to throw at Jammer, and then once Rod B earned respect, wasn't gonna throw at Rod B, and then it became all right, let's throw at these safeties. And that was a mistake. Bastion was a safety Dion. For Texas yeah. fans, at the same time, it was the peak of Dion, and it was as if Texas had their own threat in the secondary game. with yeah. him. And if you ever rewatch that A&M game, you should watch the very first pick six that y'all have on Greg Brown's pick six because yeah. they try to go into little trips where they have the slot inside guy. And yeah. Mark Ferris, they're talking about how y'all only play man. You're only a man-to-man thing. But you can see you talk to Greg – and I assumed communicated yeah. that he's going to carry the inside guy. And probably so, y'all, it's yeah. like a switch a in call basketball. Tango call. Mark, Fing, Mark yeah. Ferris just assumes, oh, they're a man team, they're men, throws it, and it's just a gift touchdown Say, to the guy that was lined up against you, but yeah, Greg well, picks up I real know quickly. exactly the play you're talking about. It's the same concept, though, in Oklahoma game with my yep. pick six. It's yep. the same concept. Mm-hmm. It's just the inside out. Yeah. It's great. It's it's cool to watch. It is cool to watch, actually. We're going to have plenty of time to get into game recaps, and and we're going to get fun. We're going to get creative here on Longhorn Bliss as we go on. Everybody's trying to process the coronavirus pandemic in their own way, and we're going to help you guys cope with it and get through and hopefully give you about an hour or so to kind of lose yourself on Longhorn Blitz each and every week. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049-1019 and Plus 60 streaming on the Horn app at hornfm.com. You can catch me and Craig Way on Light the Tower each and every weekday from 12 to noon. And you can catch Rod B., Kevin Dunn, and Brad Kellner on that unnamed afternoon show every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. Thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, our classic shows, classic interviews are on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Just type in Longhorn Blitz. And you can get Longhorn Blitz anywhere you get your podcast by searching Horns 24-7 Podcast. Get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcast. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcast. And don't forget to like us and leave us a review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. Everyone is talking about if. I'm going to go to Lynn Human. I like it. I love it. It's original and heartfelt. Ta-da! And the must-see comedy of the summer <laughs> that's perfect for the whole family. This is just so exciting. If. Ready PG. Now playing in theaters.